3: To remind you that this
2: month, Film Study is brought to you by Manscaped. Support for this episode comes from Manscaped. Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. Um, go ahead and get check out Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use the code BIRDLAND for 20% off. It's summertime. You need Manscaped. It's the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package, 3.0. It's constantly a number one recommended gift for men. You should check it out. It's getting warm out. You can use it. Use the code BIRDLAND for 20% off at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and get the best tools for the job. And as their slogan always says, your balls
3: will thank you.
4: Ken McKusick, how are you doing? We're going to talk about the inside linebackers today. And to do that, my friend Gabriel Ferguson is here from Baltimore Sports and Life. Gabe, how are you doing?
5: I'm doing good. How are you, Ken?
4: Can't complain, not a little bit, except for the risk of not having a football season. How about you?
5: Ooh, that's, a, that's a tough one to think on right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well, and I'm hoping that we are able to have a full you know 16-game season.
4: Yeah, so it's definitely a risk. And, and, you know, it started to take over decision-making, I think, around the league uh, because of the 2021 cap. And we've talked about that on other podcasts. I don't want to go down that road. But it also has taken over the league, I think, in another way. And that with these recent outbreaks by team teams, people are realizing that just the way the NBA season ended in basically a heartbeat, that the NFL season could be subject to the same sort of risk if they come to mid-year and have a big outbreak on one or more teams. And if that were the case, the money you spend on this season, the draft capital in particular you spend on this season acquiring the pieces to win a Super Bowl now could go to waste. So I think teams like the Ravens, who are, who are, are paced for a multi-year run right now, uh, really ought to pump the brakes on win-now moves.
5: You know, that's an interesting kind of perspective that I hadn't hadn't thought of before. Because I feel like the Ravens are in a win-now situation, and I think they've made a lot of moves in this off that you know they think that they are ready to win a Super Bowl. They've brought in some veterans and things like that. So it's hard to tell um, how the COVID situation is going to affect the Ravens, but I hope to see that they'll everything will be. Uh, back to normal as soon as possible.
4: Yeah, well, me too. But I, I think what the Ravens have done that I really respect and I think is a good idea is they've they've kind of hammered up, on, bumped the brakes on the, on the putting down long-term contracts with a lot of guaranteed money. So they gave Peters a long-term deal, but it wasn't with a lot of guaranteed money. And they haven't signed Ronnie Stanley yet. And they haven't tried to get Marlon Humphrey's deal done, even though it would be a year early and they really need to do Stanley first. So they've got some they've got some lingering ones out there. And it could well be worth that. The dollar you borrow from 2021 could be worth a dollar ten, you know, t- uh, in terms of uh, what it is then. So if you, you, you use it this year, it's worth a dollar. You use it next year. It's worth it. You get a dollar ten worth of player for it. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping they they continue you know, playing it smart with the long-term contracts is it's what has them in this great situation right now
5: yeah that's a good point I hadn't really considered that idea as of yet and um, with especially like you said some of the big name players that have not signed contracts that's going to be it's going make the next offseason very interesting to see how things happen
4: yeah money will be very tight and be kind of like a depression for football salaries'm I'm, I'm afraid so the guys who aren't signed this year are probably going to be kind of unhappy about it next year. But anyway, let's get back to the topic you're on for, which is the inside linebackers in 2020 position with a ton of change this offseason. Obviously, I think a lot of it for the better. Uh, let's talk about it. And uh, I want you to drive the, drive the show here, Gabe.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really interesting position to look at because the Ravens are in a spot where I, I don't think I've seen them with this little experience at a position um, that I can remember, you know, the, the, this, the only person who has even 300 defensive snaps in the NFL on a season is LJ Ford. And he's only hit that number once in his entire career. Um, he's really been a part-time player his, his career. Everybody else is two rookies, two previous undrafted free agents who have only played special teams. So to me, that's really interesting.
4: Yeah, Ford has about one season of play. Maybe it's one and a half now in an eight-year career. So it's really amazing how little he's gotten on the field defensively. And and I, I, he played very well last year, I think we'd say. But is he going to play this year with the new guys?
5: Yeah, I think he will play this year. And I, I think that the experience that he has, especially taking on a pre, fairly significant role in the defense last year, especially, you know, I think as the season went on, he was – really uh, an important sub package player for the Ravens. I think he's going to continue in that role moving forward. He, I don't think he's going to be a starter necessarily. He might start at the very beginning of the season, depending on how the rookies look. But um, I think I think that he will probably still be in there for, you know, the 300, 400 snaps.
4: Okay. So that, that is a question that I would raise because it's, there's not the obvious position for Ford is not there.
5: I mean, I'm not saying
4: he's not a good player, but if they have Queen, they drafted him with their first-round pick. They've already stated, and I think they believe it, whether or not it will actually happen that way, that Queen is going to be an every-down player for them. And, yeah,
5: yeah, I think that um, that's probably what they want. Um, you know, you, you drafted a linebacker in the first round. It's not the first time the Ravens have done that. You know, obviously Ray Lewis, C.J. Mosley, those players came in and were three-down linebackers from the, from the stop. You know, I think ideally that's a situation that you would want to have Queen in too. It's a unique offseason though, and he is probably the least experienced first round player the Ravens have ever taken. So I think those two things combined might look towards a little bit of a platoon still at the linebacker position.
4: That's, that's interesting, and, and that's certainly true. Boy, the guy has about what, barely a season worth of snaps at LSU that he's played in his college career. He'd, he'd hardly played at all before 20, 2019. Um, that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly a possibility that, that we don't really see Queen every down this year. And, and in particular, I think players at the NFL level, weaknesses become apparent that maybe weren't apparent before. And if he ends up being a great past offender, uh, or if he can't figure out pass defense at the NFL level it's more complicated for whatever reason you can't do it. Uh, you know he could become a two down run player. He could he could have a lesser role in Ford who was a very effective dime Mike linebacker. The one linebacker, inside linebacker the Ravens on the field could be the guy.
5: Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of it will come down to just how he performs. You know, if he comes out and is is excellent, you know, all three downs from the from the get-go i think you know he'll maintain that role in the defense and then the question becomes you know do the ravens stick to the heavy usage of the dime package that we saw last year or do they kind of go back to a more traditional um you know nickel perhaps where you have two linebackers on the field instead of one linebacker In that situation i think we could see a little bit more fort and will probably have some harrison mixed in there as well
4: I think where we'll see the, the standard nickel package more is on the early running downs. The Ravens really, uh, due to personnel concerns, and it was both at edge and at inside linebacker, but it might have been even more at edge, they needed to spread the defensive line with a third defensive lineman when you normally wouldn't do it in the nickel. And they never played this three three five nickel before 2018 in Martin Martindale's first year. And last year, they played at 8.3% of the time, which is an awful lot considering they only played the base package, for example, 10.6% of the time. So that package only has one inside linebacker, and it greatly limited the total number of inside linebacker snaps the Ravens had last year to 1.33 per play. So I I, I think it's it is one of the real big questions is how often do the Ravens really intend to play two inside linebackers this year?
5: Yeah, and it's really hard to say at this point. I think when you invest too early picks in the linebacker position, you have to think that they are interested in you know keeping linebackers on the field at a, at a higher frequency, perhaps. And I think part of that stems from the issues we saw in the Ravens' run defense last year. I think part of that can be attributed to you know using six defensive backs on a lot of snaps, um, and also I mean the defensive line is going to be a factor there too and and the personnel changes they made up front is going to influence I think you know how they use their personnel in general it's it's, it's not something that's you know kind of it all, it all works together is what I'm trying to say is the def- defensive line affects the linebackers which affects what, what what defensive backs you have in the field
4: sure sure agree with that um, there is one other possibility they haven't they haven't really talked about yet is the possibility of playing 32-dime, which the Ravens have only done one year in their history in 2001. But Jamie Sharper was that second linebacker, along with Ray Lewis, who after a year in which they'd played a ton of diamond quarter, the second most diamond quarter they ever played was in 2000, 34.5%. Last year, 42.2% diamond quarter. But after, after 2000, Jamie Sharper did not have the role they wanted him to, so they brought him in as a second inside linebacker, who really's job was more to rove around the line of scrimmage for pass-rushing opportunities. That year, six sacks and 12 passes defense. How long has it been since we've had any kind of inside linebacker with those kind of numbers?
5: Um, I think I think we haven't had that since then.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or, or ever, even before. Yeah, It was a remarkable season. So I'm wondering if they don't see some role for Harrison that he brings them more as a pass rusher, or maybe queen does that they can play him in a roving role and scheme for more pressure and also use him as a pass defender. I'm wondering what they have in mind for Harrison, possibly even within a dime package with a more constricted front.
5: Yeah, I think he could potentially, you know, work in that role. He's, um, I saw a comparison to him as a High Hightower. And I think that's a pretty good comparison in terms of their build, in terms of kind of their skill set, their ability to be really strong against the run, you know, but they can also do some things in coverage. They can blitz. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, a guy who might fill that kind of role for the Ravens would actually be Matt Judon because, I mean, he kind of did that last year. He played a lot of snaps, especially in the second half of the season off the ball he was kind of like a rover. You could kind of just pick his spots. Um, so maybe that's kind of the direction they would go with that.
4: They, they have the wealth of outside linebackers on the team, particularly last year. They still have the same guys basically this year. But because they were playing four outside linebackers on all of those dime package snaps at the end of the year. In fact, that was that was over 12 percent of their snaps for the season because of that they had the ability to stand up Judon and I, I wouldn't really call the position he was playing an inside linebacker position. It was more like setting up to be as flexible as possible to rush the passer from slightly off the ball.
5: Yeah, I think that that's correct. I mean, he was, he was just picking his spots, you know, you could, you could fake one gap and then loop around and attack the other gap. And it, it was keeping the offense off, off kilter for sure. So I, I think he was really effective in that role. And it would be interesting to see if, if they give him that kind of, you know, flexibility and creativity to be able to, to kind of pick his spots in, in the coming season as well.
4: Yeah, I think it worked really well. I mean, one of the nice things about using Judon in that role, and I know we're talking about inside linebackers, but as long as we're on this point here, the guys they have on the defensive front this year are all outstanding stunt players. And the way I look at it, Wolf is a great under guy. OK, and that usually means he he. He often will create the opportunity, but he also sometimes gets the opportunity. Campbell and Madubuke, from looking at their college careers, can do it both. They can do it both ways. They can go over or under. Uh, Matabike, very quick for a big man, and Campbell surprisingly quick and very quick to follow the rear end of the player who's going underneath. So you know you normally associate that with a Judon or a quicker outside linebacker player, maybe even a Terrell Suggs, but it, it's it's not as commonly an inside interior player who can who can loop. And uh, the Ravens got some of that this year. It's going to be very exciting to see Martindale scheme with them.
5: Yeah, the, the level of athleticism on the defensive line is is night and day from what we had last year, where it was basically a bunch of nose tackles that the Ravens had yes. playing defensive line, and and Chris warmly um, and then now it's a lot of you know very athletic, long, um, very capable, moving. Uh, Players And and it's going to be exciting to watch. And and I think that that'll create opportunities, like you said, for the outside linebackers, but also for the inside linebackers with the amount of blitzes that I think Martindale likes to use. I think we're going to see a lot of of blitzes still and and the inside linebackers are going to take advantage of that situation, I think.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. And you know what? I should have you back on. We'll talk about the defensive line separately. Let's get back to the inside linebackers <laughs> here. And Maybe go through the players, you know, one at a time in terms of what your expectations are there and your hopes are for, for 2020.
5: Yeah, so let's start with Patrick Queen, who obviously is the first-round pick. I think a lot of Ravens fans really wanted him to be that pick. And, you know, we're, we're very excited to see him um, in, in purple and black. And that really is due to his kind of versatile nature is, is athleticism that speed that he has ability to play all three downs in college. Wow. He's a pretty aggressive player and run defense. Um, I think you'll be successful there, especially um, with the athletic defensive line that the Ravens have. Um, I'd like to think that he'll be a good coverage player. I think he can be a blitzer. So he's a very well-rounded um, athletic linebacker. I'm excited to see him.
4: Yeah, you can do a lot with, with, Great, gifted physicality, and Queen certainly has that. But I also want to temper expectations on this. I I look at last year's top first-round draft picks, the two Devins. So Devin White didn't have that great a season for Tampa Bay, and he was drafted number five overall. Devin Bush had a pretty good season for Pittsburgh, playing in a great defense, admittedly. That may be the more similar situation that Queen is stepping into. Both of those guys were drafted substantially higher. With substantially more draft capital, obviously, that goes into that, and also with more size and more eth- and more speed, both of them. So even though Queen is a fast player and he's a fairly big player at 227, maybe 230 if he if he puts on a few pounds, uh, both those other guys are bigger. And it's it's a, uh, I, I think we need to temper expectations of exactly who Queen's going to be, and also probably figure that that he's going to fall. Into some of the normal traps that NFL players, NFL offensive linemen um, are, are more able to create for uh, you know younger players.
5: Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a pretty steep learning curve, I think, um, for the inside line packer position. We've seen that. And, you know, a lot of players have been drafted high that aren't necessarily, you know, immediate stars. Um I, but, and I, but I do think that he'll be helped by the amount of talent that's on the defense, like you said, with with Devin Bush in Pittsburgh. And I also think he'll be helped by his co-rookie, uh, Muli Harrison, who I see as as a great fit next to him because he really is a early down run defensive premier player. I think he's one of the be- better run defending inside linebackers I've seen come out of the draft in recent years. He's very aggressive in filling holes and taking on blockers, and he's good at it, too. You know, he can really put a jolt into an offensive lineman. And I think that's going to allow Queen to kind of be a little bit more free to come in and, like, clean up and make tackles, that kind of thing.
4: Yeah, I think that'd be exciting if they stack him up in that role. Now, we're hearing different things about this, that, that Queen might play the mic every down. But to me, it seems more natural that Queen would be the trailer, the cleanup guy, which normally is the weak side linebacker. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised by the rigidity that they want Queen playing the mic. But of course, if he plays the mic, then that's only one thing to learn. You know, That's one set of responsibilities to learn that maybe is a little bit less complicated, and, and I can see why they'd want to do it. But um, with Harrison, boy, I can't even imagine all the things they might ask him to learn in this first year, given his his role as a 3 down linebacker is not clear to me unless he has some specialized role on on passing downs.
5: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point about Harrison. I tend to think that he's probably going to come off the field on a lot of passing downs, especially early on this season. Um he, he that's not where he impressed me as a college player. I, I mean, he could be an effective guy who could drop in kind of the short zones. He, he has good awareness, I think. Um, but he's not someone who's going to, to turn and, and run with a tight end or a running back or that kind of thing.
4: How about, what did you see from him in terms of anticipation? And that's one of the things that I'm a little bit fearful of Judon leaving is that he's the guy who really is the best at diagnosing a running back, leaving the backfield better than Bowser, who who is probably a, has a little bit more speed than him.
5: You know, I, th- I think Harrison is pretty good in that area. Um, he, there's definitely you know a few times where I'd see him take a false step here and there. Um, I, I I wouldn't say he was kind of as reckless as somebody like Kenneth Murray, for instance, who was hmm. really just like flying all over the field and could sometimes be wildly out of position. I think um, you know Harrison's a little bit more disciplined than that. So I, I think that there's like we said with Queen, there's definitely going to be a learning curve with him. But I I do think that he is, does have good football intelligence.
4: All right now. One of the things that, that our boss has said this offseason is that in an ideal world, he'd like the inside linebacker, the Mike linebacker, to have the green dot because he's on the field every down and he's the closest to the middle of the defense to communicate things quickly. But then he quickly pivoted off that, and the but that was coming is that, that the role had been filled so well by Chuck Clark in 2019 that he and he described him as bold, brilliant, and brief. And you know Harbaugh is can be kind of full of coach speak, which is a lot like I say full of crap, I guess. But is he's full <laughs> of coach speak at times um, that he doesn't really want to give away information on what the Ravens are going to do strategically, and he and he doesn't really want to give away a position without a competition. Maybe is a more relevant party to this uh, point of this. But when I hear him reach for alliteration like that, he's obviously rehearsed that and planned to say it. He didn't come up with that on the spot. <laughs> and 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 that to me is the kind of thing it's one of the few times that you can tell Harbaugh really means what he says is that Clark is going to keep the green dot this year. And I think there's all sorts of evidence just watching the Ravens last year that he should be the signal caller going forward. Which I think honestly makes all kinds of other decisions the Ravens would make at safety a lot easier. Because there's no reason to bring in a Jamal Adams if Clark is going to be your signal caller,
5: yeah, I, I agree on, on all counts there. I, I think, you know, like you said, like Harbaugh said, Clark was so good in that role. Why would you take it away from him? And there's you're probably going to lose some flexibility if you if you do give the green dot to like Patrick Queen, for instance. Because are the Ravens really ready to give him that responsibility? And that's just one more thing that you have to put on a rookie. I'm not sure that makes sense at this point. You know, maybe eventually he grows into that role. That wouldn't surprise me. But I think for the upcoming season, Clark will keep that that responsibility of calling plays.
4: Yeah, that's that's the way I'd say. I think there's two a couple reasons. But even Ray Lewis was not the Green Dot player in his rookie year. That was uh, Eric Turner, who who called the plays from safety in 1996. And Ray Lewis, in fact, only played 70 percent of the defensive snaps as a rookie, which is a you know, a surprising thing people don't remember. But whenever I do any kind of trivia on the 96 season, I always talk about a two down linebacker and and, and hope people <laughs> think about that being Ray Lewis. So anyway, well, you,
5: uh, you would have caught me on that one, too.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's funny. I've got some pictures from the very first game and and it's third and four. And you can see the third and the third down and you can see it's four yards and the Raiders have the football and 52 staring you right in the face on the sideline. So it's 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 kind of funny. But they went with Benny Thompson instead of Ray Lewis at the to play a quarter package on third down a lot that year.
5: All uh, right. Yeah, I think the only other player that we could really talk about then at, at the linebacker position is the one we've already talked about a little bit is, is LJ Fort. And like I said, he's probably going to be still having a role in sub-packages, sub especially early on. Um, but it's really just going to depend on what personnel the Ravens like to use. I don't think the other two linebackers are really going to see the field unless there's some injuries. I'm, I'm talking about Chris Board and Natara Alaka, who are, you know, they haven't really played defense for the Ravens. I think Board had about 50 snaps last year, but he that's pretty pretty limited experience.
4: That's right. And, and Alaka was hurt fairly early in the year, if I recall correctly, and, and gone for the season. And... Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he was maybe he played was active more games than that, but I seem to remember him not not being on the inactive list, and I don't think he was active either. So I, uh, I do
5: think he had an injury and and he was placed on injury reserve. If I'm, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly.
4: Okay, so it's year two for him. It's year three for Board. So his, some of his option value is running out. Does that make Board a guy who might not even make the team? Because you have three guys at inside linebacker. Maybe four is what you want to keep. So maybe Alaka is your guy, as the fourth since he's got one more year of his rookie contract left. I just I kind of wonder in Board's case if his roster spot is secure given how limited any defensive role seems to be for him, and then of how limited value the remaining optionality of his rookie deal has.
5: I think you look at him as a special teams player. And and the question then becomes can can Alaka Fill that role just as well as as board could, and th- and that's kind of what what might decide that. How many special teams players do you want to have, and can somebody else on the roster fill that role? Because I don't think what he brings specifically as a linebacker is going to keep him on the roster.
4: Right. Okay. Well, that's that's fair, and the Ravens certainly have a lot of other players at other positions. Thinking of Elliott and Stone. And Iman Marshall, and maybe even Anthony Averett, who can fill some defensive role and and contribute on special teams. But a lot of core special teams play is handled by linebackers as well. So you prefer to have, you know, an extra inside linebacker on the roster typically to play special teams.
5: And Fort was also a big special teams contributor last year for the Ravens, as well as being, you know, a player played significant snaps on defense. So maybe he loses some of those snaps on special teams if he's going to be playing more defensive snaps in the upcoming season.
4: Yeah, that that could be. So how many, I just need to look for a second at how many snaps that Fort played last year, and it's going to take me a minute to bring it up. But uh, in terms of, of board or a Alaka, is there anything you've seen about individual things they might contribute, individual talents they bring that might be of value if the Ravens have an injury situation occur?
5: You know, honestly, I I didn't really watch them enough in the preseason to say you know this person succeeds really well. And I I know I've heard that the Ravens are pretty high on Alaka, um, based off what the, what he was doing last year in training camp and preseason. Um, but that might give him a, an edge up. But I don't I don't know. I can't really speak on that. There's not enough film that I've I've watched.
4: Right. Okay, 256 snaps for board last year, which is 26.6%. But it was probably about 35, 36% after he joined the team in week five. So uh, because he joined late, he obviously didn't get a chance to play those week one to four snaps. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I guess I would see a possibility that he could go he could go 30%, 35% of the snaps again, even with those two guys on the roster. All right. All um, right just talk about the, the 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 guys as a group does the current set of inside linebackers change anything the Ravens will do in terms of packages that they'll play next year
5: I think you know we touched on this a little bit but I, I think it might kind of lend the Ravens to using a little bit more nickel and in their obvious passing situations on third down and such than they did last year um and I think that is going to depend on the ability of Patrick Queen. Do they, can, can you trust him um, in coverage? And I think you've made this point before that, you know, nine times out of ten, a safety you bring in is going to be a better coverage player than the linebacker. Mm. So that's something that, you know, would have to be a consideration. And it might just be certain specific packages where you see more linebackers, kind of like the third and medium as opposed to the third and long, where you. Where the opposing offense does have more of an option to run the ball, um, but I think in general that would be the only thing I would expect. Maybe a little bit more two linebacker sets, um, but in general, I, th- I think you know the Ravens have such a strong secondary and such a deep secondary, it, w- it would probably be hard to see them you know take some of those players off the field.
4: Right, I, and that's I think that's where I am as well. I, I if if you look at when the Ravens play dime, there's there's two two times when they do it, they do it on third and about four or more. So they, they, they play diamond 2019. And really that's the, that's the trend from previous years or as well. And they also do it anytime they're significantly up in a game. They just move to the package for the remainder of the game. And so a lot of the second half of games, like Buffalo was one, even though they were leading by only 11 for a lot of that uh, time. And it was also another good one was uh, Houston. So they're crushing Houston, 34 nothing or whatever, and they gave up the one touchdown late that involved a 17 and a 41 yard run that were both against the dime package. And it wasn't a case of, you know, the Ravens really had a terrible run defense last year as much as they chose when to allow yards in the run that didn't matter when they were when they were leading a lot in games. And the, the big one against Buffalo is they played the dime on 29 snaps. Nine times Buffalo ran for 87 yards, which is 9.7 Yards per rush, but they also passed twenty times for seven total yards, which is only <laughs> 0, 0. 0.4 yards per pass. So, so the trade off was excellent. I mean, they knew what they were doing, and they they accepted some some run risk, and you know, yeah. Buffalo did kind of cash in on it.
5: Yeah, that's a that's a good point because the reality is in NFL, you you get more you get more points added per play when you pass the ball than when you run the ball. Yep. It's is just the, the nature of the sport in the modern NFL. So if you can take away the opposing team's ability to pass the ball really well, then you will give up a few runs and, and be okay with that. That's that's the trade off that you wanna make.
4: Right. And I, I uh, wholly, wholly agree with that. So anyway, we'll. I, I think we'll see how this this plays out. But I mean, just their their desire to keep the green dot with Clark and how successful Clark was in that dime back slot. Meaning they have to find the right guy for the back end to pair with him. But they, I don't really see them moving away from the dime in the same way. I think they'll move away from the quarter because Queen plays every play. I think they'll move away from the. Uh, some of the race car packages because they have other good defensive alignment now, and I think they'll move away from the one uh, the the uh, sorry, the jumbo nickel and move to a lot more standard nickel, which will give Harrison a lot more snaps. So those are kind of the three places where I see obvious changes. But Martindale is such a surprising cat in terms of how he'll how he'll scheme with different packages that that uh, we can see a lot of different uh, different permutations this year.
5: Yeah, for sure. And that's definitely something I'm looking forward to kind of digging into once the season starts. Just seeing how how all these players are deployed, you know, in what situations. Um, and it's it's that's part of the, the fun for me.
4: <laughs> all right. Well, this, uh, thanks for coming on, Gabe, first of all. And you have an article up on exactly this topic that's over on Baltimore Sports and Life, right? That's correct. Tell people where they can find that and about your Twitter handle and whatnot.
5: Yeah. So, um, Baltimore We have a really active, uh, forum message board. Um, I think it's a great place to kind of talk Ravens. We also have a lot of you know, Orioles fans and talk about the Orioles. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Gabe Fergie. I'm generally posting about the Ravens. Um, I think that once the season gets started, I'll be a lot more active about that as well. So, um, I'd always like to have a few new followers that I can interact with, talk with anybody about the Ravens anytime.
4: That's, uh, that's great. And Gabe, I, I really am serious about getting you on for the defensive line. So if you, I don't know if you've got an article coming on that or, or have done it already, but be happy to talk about uh, that with you on a pre-camp basis about what the expectations are for those players as well.
5: Yeah, I actually already uh, did write an article about the defensive line, um, which I find to be maybe even more interesting than the than – the, say linebacker position because there was also a lot of turnover there and it's something that i'm really excited to see that
4: that, that sounds great i mean let's let's uh, schedule immediately after we're done here and and uh, we'll get that done quickly other folks out there if you want to do a film study short please uh hit me up with a direct message on twitter a lot of activity there the last a uh, couple of weeks we've had a lot of a lot of new shorts coming up and being recorded in a very short period of time here so uh would love to have you on and would love to be as inclusive as possible and people have good ideas and and want to have an interesting conversation that uh might be something that people would like to drive to anyway uh thanks for listening again gabe thanks for coming on and we'll talk to you next time on film Psych. birdland sports for fans by fans find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com
0: when you rely on the internet for everything you need speed that can handle anything and now xfinity delivers wi-fi speed faster than a gig check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from xfinity wi-fi speed faster than a gig that's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X5 gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.